Here's the thing though. Hello and welcome to another episode of our podcast, Here's the Thing Though. My name is Saliha and I'm your host for today. I'm here with my producer slash editor, Mitch Price. What's up? Before we begin, we'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal and Bidjigal people of the Eora Nation who are the traditional owners of the land that we are recording on today. We'd like to pay our respects to all First Nations people past, present and future and acknowledge that we're recording on stolen land and that sovereignty was never ceded. So Mitch, how's it going? How are you? I'm good. I'm not too bad. I feel like the the past couple of weeks have been. Uh, I'm just accepting what's going on, but uh, I'm I'm getting better at processing it. How about you? I think I'm kind of the same. Like, obviously things are pretty bleak and are like even more bleak actually than they were the last time we recorded this episode. Like, New South Wales is at this point getting like 400 and I don't know 60 plus cases a day now. Ridiculous. I think the last time we recorded two weeks ago, we were like just about to break 300. We were like maybe 200 a day or something. And now we're in nearly fucking 500 a day. So yeah, shit's bleak. People are dying. It's all very scary. And I think my fear response has just cocked it now. Like it's, it's just so bleak that I, my body is just like, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> I just am not going to cope with any of this. So I'm actually all right. Despite how bleak everything is. Because I think I'm just used to it now. How much should we able to predicts that this uh, increasing outbreak is due to those anti-lockdown protests. Is that just a, a hypothesis? Well, Are people claiming that? Or? No one's claiming it yet. To be honest, I don't, I don't even think that would be it because right. there's actually a very low likelihood of transmission of COVID outdoors. And mm. the lock, if the lockdowns were like in quite a tight area, maybe I'd be more worried about that being what it was. But I feel like it's pretty unlikely that COVID transfers outside. There's like New South Wales Health has said many times that like, actually, I mean, I don't know about after the protest, but before the protest, we didn't have a single case of outdoor transmission in New South Wales. So like that stuff's not exactly based in like at least the health science that we're getting. So I don't know if it's that, but I just think it's like, because it's not really been a proper lockdown. I just think the reason cases are growing so much is because they didn't like shut down all workplaces early on and all this transmission happened and now they're kind of starting to put their foot down and really send us into a proper lockdown, but it's it's too late now. And also like, I mean, I wrote an article on this, but the cases are really bad, mostly in like Western and Southwestern Sydney, which is also like an area with more of a migrant worker class, more people of color in these areas, more ethnic communities and like a lower income. And it's just like, surely that's a huge reason of why, because it's these people that like are still working essential jobs. They're still out there. Like these people don't get to work from home on a fucking laptop like I do. Mm, so I, sure. I feel like, you know, a lot of it, it's like people who are working Uber Eats delivery or like postal services or like, you know, central retail like Coles or Woolies or like those kinds of jobs, cleaning jobs, Westfield security staff jobs, jobs that you can't work from home, love trade jobs and stuff. And like, because there was no financial support, these people can't afford to like lock down like we are because I can get paid the same working from home. And like the government fucked it up because they should have just like paid people to stay home. That's what we should have done. Early on, we should have just paid people to stay home and we wouldn't be in this mess. But no. And so now cases are just getting really bad and it's it's really sad. Like, I think last time I checked, there were eight deaths overnight and it's been roughly like five to eight deaths overnight for a while now, which is just 
so sad. Like it's so much worse than it was last year, which is terrifying. Yeah. Also, I realized that, I mean, we're doing this fortnightly now, that I wasn't at all vaccinated last time we recorded. So now uh, I've oh, had yeah. my first jab. Mitch has had his first Bit jab. Bit late to the game, but I'm happy to have it. Yeah, well, I think um, a lot of people are getting jabbed like now, like mm. this timing, because I think people have just fucking had it. Like things are scary. Even people who are like kind of anti-vaxxer are just getting the jab. I know I have a lot of anti-vaxxer relatives that are actually getting the jab or like have gotten their first jab because at this point they're like yeah i don't trust this but also i am so sick of the current state of what's happening and it just it needs to stop and if this is what's going to make it stop then like fine i know that like young people in particular have been coming out in droves to get vaccinated yeah i mean it makes complete sense in fact the vaccine hit me particularly hard yeah, i was Mitch completely was totally MIA. out of commission <laughs> yeah the whole next day i was just sort of shaking and feverish it was the worst i felt in probably years but the whole time i was just thinking man if this is how bad i feel like after getting the vaccine imagine how bad actually getting the virus would be if i had to feel that way for more than like a day it would it would be awful awful on uh more positive news the climate (laughs) is falling apart (laughs) is this more positive news no it's not (laughs) yes so the ipcc report came out, which is like a report by the UN. And it's basically like a lot of fucking scientists coming together and telling us the world's ending. And it's like really important, really scary news. It happened a week ago, maybe now it came out Mm. that basically just told us that it's a code red. And if we don't get our shit together right now, we're screwed, which is just not the news I want to hear in a pandemic, but it is true. And you know what? Like I have been thinking about that a lot just in general. It's like how, because COVID kind of became the biggest issue on our plate, like we all just forgot about, well, not forgot about climate change, but it's just not really at the forefront of a lot of media discussions right now because we're so busy reporting on COVID and that and vaccinations and blah, blah, blah. And that's what's taking up the public consciousness. But I am hyper aware of climate change every day and I definitely feel a lot of climate anxiety and I have literally every day since the pandemic started because every time I chuck away a mask or like I see them chuck away all their rubber gloves, I'm just like, oh my God, the waste, which I know is necessary. I know it's necessary, but like, It's just my heart hurts every time. And then this IPCC report came out telling us that basically all these floods and droughts and fires and, you know, all the other kind of natural disasters are just going to get worse. And apparently at the moment we are on track to warm to the catastrophic 1.5 degrees or over 1.5 degrees within the next decade. So um, love that for us. Very, very scary. It's also caused like a lot of um, problematic commentary because obviously we saw some protests come out of the result of the IPCC report. I think in particular Extinction Rebellion did some stuff. Yeah, um, the day after, it was actually quite refreshing to see the day after the report came out, we saw at Parliament a few XR protesters spray painting duty of care at the parliament setting ablaze to an empty pram in a sort of a metaphorical symbolic act and gluing themselves to the ground in protest, which was, I mean, it's great to see people actually actually doing something, especially when we're all stuck inside and feel a bit yeah. helpless. Yeah, some public disruption is good. But what was, I mean, expected, but particularly disheartening was uh, Scott Morrison's response, I mean, to the IPCC report and the protests in particular, which, I mean, it's just sort of so formulaic, cliché. It's, it's paint by numbers now, yeah. essentially saying 
The Australian way is not what we have seen with the vandalism in our capital today. I don't associate in any way, shape or form that foolishness with the good-hearted nature of Australians who care deeply about this issue, as I do. As I do, says the man who brought fucking lump of coal to Parliament. Shut the fuck up. Honestly, just infuriates me. And also, like, foolishness and vandalism and just like, are you kidding? You're literally vandalizing the planet with fossil fuels and you're going to have a go at some teenagers for, like, setting fire to an empty pram. I hate him. It just spoils my blood. I mean, that's just the formula, right? Just call whatever Mm. you don't like, un-Australian. Literally. Classic, classic. But then more specifically with the report, Morrison also said that sort of an interesting quote, is that we cannot ignore the fact that the developing world accounts for two thirds of global emissions and those emissions are rising, essentially being certain to blame China and other, quote, developing countries. Uh, and all this, which is just like exactly what we talked about a few episodes back. It's just eco-fascism, mm. right? It's it's just nonsensical. Oh, like we're the advanced country. We're doing our part in Australia and look at these uh, poorer developing these countries. backwards ethnic yeah, people. These, so inconsiderate, uh, dirty, dirty, un- unadvanced countries, essentially. Mm. Um, but it really, it doesn't make any sense when you actually think about it. And it surprises me how little people discuss exactly how little sense this all makes. I know. I was going to say that because there was very, like, there was some commentary on that quote that I saw that was saying, like, oh, so, like, when America and Australia are making great advances in technology and creating emissions, because of that, it's seen as, like, we're developed, we're, you know, advanced, we're, like, productive, whatever. But when India or China does it, it's dirty and backwards. But I'm like, y'all are still... Missing the point, though, this isn't about like weird competitions of who's more advanced. This is about the fact that he is acting like we don't have a direct hand in emissions in those countries, like as if that has nothing to do with us when it has a lot and if not everything to do with Australia, because that's where we fucking source our labor and like our products from. Yeah, it's like, why do you think India, Bangladesh, China produces so much? It's not because these people are living sort of these decadent, lavish lives where they just can't stop consuming. No, their economy is based on uh, exports that, you know, become imported into Australia and America. We're essentially just outsourcing the production that we're consuming to these countries. And then these are the places that are going to actually, at a higher rate, suffer the really devastating consequences of climate change, which is a, a very real thing. It's true that these places potentially have higher emissions uh, and pollution, but it's because we've essentially just exported, both literally exporting our pollution to them or exporting the production that we consume to these countries. We've basically shat in someone else's house and then we're like, ew, your house is dirty. <laughs> it's just like, but... That's our fault. Like, we're the ones who are outsourcing cheap, marginalized labor and then consuming all these products and, like, all this fucking fast fashion, all this random shit at, like, Kmart or whatever. Like, this is a consumerist issue. We're getting all of our stuff from these countries and then blaming them for producing that stuff. But the issue is, is that it's just going to snowball. I think it's just going to get worse because the reality is, is that these countries can't, you know, enforce stricter regulations on emissions and production can't really radically reform their production because their economies are so dependent on exports. So we can't just point fingers at them because it's sort of this global network that the West has constructed and enforces that is essentially putting them into this position. Thus, a more considerable radical shift is necessary. What a surprise. Yeah. I mean, this always comes back to the point that we just need to like 
abolish global capitalism and all capitalism, but particularly like with emissions and stuff like it's not like one country can just reduce their emissions and the problem will be solved. We all, because of like globalization and capitalism, rely on each other's exports and labor. And we all have to fucking radically change the way we get these things if we want to decrease emissions. And like you said before, it is framed like a competition. Like, mm. oh, Australia is doing our part, but the, the, the world mm. is falling apart because of these, these dirty, underdeveloped countries. Uh, it's interesting because I think it's just going to lead to, I guess, sort of a discourse of self-responsibility. So when there are going to be climate refugees, which there are going to be climate refugees. There are, there are right there already now. already <laughs> are. And they, it's just going to, you know, get, get, worse. get worse. It's going to be an excuse not to let these people into our country. Because exactly. it's like, well, you didn't take care of your planet and your part of the, the world when things were bad. So actually, you know, Australia is this. Yeah, we want to keep our place clean and pristine and we don't want to dirty it up with you gross climate action refugees or climate change refugees. I know, it's just, it's all just eco-fascism. The idea of like outsourcing any guilt that we might have or outsourcing any responsibility that we might have with climate change onto like ethnic poorer countries and then blaming them, victim blaming them, I should say, because these countries are also victims of like imperialism and colonization, which is why they're in the state that they're in anyway. Like there's just so many late, this is all fucking capitalism and white supremacy. And I'm just, it really angered me that speech and it angered me more that nobody called it out as well. That I saw very little public commentary on the fact that that is some fucking victim blaming white supremacist bullshit. Hmm. No mm, good. No good. Anyways, maybe some actually uh, better news. I don't even know if this is but that maybe much not news. even really. So something else to bring up well, that I won't bring up. Although things have changed in the forty-eight hours since I popped this on our list, so I don't know. But there was some really big free Britney news a few days ago uh, when her father announced that he was going to step down from the conservatorship, and we were all like, "Fuck yeah!" And there were all these media articles that were like, "Yes, Britney's won! Like her father is off the conservatorship," and I was like. Oh my God, we have to talk about that on the podcast. Like, that's a really huge development of Free Britney. But like yesterday, I saw some conflicting reports now because apparently, and this is more reportedly because I don't, I don't see, it's kind of weird. I don't really know what the facts are right now. But apparently he said that, but the quote was taken out of context. So he said, I will step down when the time is right. And apparently he's not actually stepping down. So I don't know what the fuck is going on. I feel like we all celebrated a bit prematurely. Um, and it looks like things might not actually have changed as much as we thought they had. Oh, no. So sorry to take that away from you, Mitch. I know you were excited because I was like, oh, we got to talk about this. No, it looks like he's still currently on Britney's conservatorship. And for those of you who have tuned into this episode and haven't listened to our previous ones, we're very invested in Free Britney and we have like two episodes on it. So feel free <laughs> to look those up. And uh, there's just so much news that's going on in the world. And I guess with our like fortnightly podcast now, our follow-ups will be a little bit longer because there's more to talk about. But I just have things that I want to bring up briefly are just like how fucked all the world news is. And I feel like we're all kind of feeling a little bit beat down because like there's all the stuff we just talked about. And then there's also like uh, Lebanon is currently struggling with like electrical blackouts and like a lack of clean water. And there's like an earthquake in Haiti right now, which has just been devastating. And then literally in the last 24 hours at time of recording, the Taliban just took over Afghanistan um, after the US troops pulled out. And that's obviously really, really scary. And the world is just watching this happen. And like no one, 
it's so hard to watch it, I think, here. So removed and just feel like helpless and hopeless and not really know what to do. And I think we're all kind of feeling that, especially because we're all fucking locked in our houses as well because there's a pandemic on. So it's just really. Was, yeah, really, I feel like this episode has just been particularly a bit dire. I yeah, feel like well, I just, just think sort of the news cycle, because I was talking about this at work at Pedestrian a couple of days ago because we were all just doing like a mental health check in. And everybody is just like, I don't know what to say because things are fucked. Like, I, you know, especially I think for us as well, like as people who work in the news, we're the ones that are often reporting on this stuff. It means that I didn't get to disengage as well from the news cycle. So I'm just like absorbing all of this bad news every single day. And it is rough and it's really sad. And my heart goes out to any of our listeners that have family in Afghanistan or Lebanon or from Afghanistan or Lebanon and are just watching this and not really knowing what the fuck to do. It's pretty bad. I'll, um, in the source list, I'll pop in some like donation links, maybe some articles on like how we can help. Cause I think a lot of us just kind of want to feel like we could do something helpful. Also, if anyone has any good book recommendations to help me understand what the hell is going on, there's just, I, I feel like I got to stop reading all this silly theory and learn about actual. Yeah, read something a bit more biographical. Yeah, I'm currently a bit reading. More substantial. I'm currently reading a book um, on the Afghanistan war and then like post 9-11 US imperialism and stuff in Afghanistan called No Good Men Among the Living by Anand Gopal. He's an investigative journalist. So far, it's really, really good. I mean, obviously, it's a journalistic piece, so it's not like a theoretical history book. It's this journalist who interviews three key kind of groups during the Afghan war in Afghanistan. So he interviews one of the Taliban like terrorist guys. He interviews somebody from the Afghani democratic government and he interviews a housewife. Um, And there's like three very distinct stories. And then he weaves it into like an overarching, really long kind of biographical narrative. And it's really, really good. And it's, I really recommend so far, I mean, I'm not that far into it, but for those of you who really struggle to read stuff that's a bit more theoretical like me, it's a lot easier to read because it's more of a narrative. It's a lot more like fiction if you kind of want to just learn a bit more about what's going on or like the history of it. So far, it's pretty good. I'm enjoying it as much as you can Here's enjoy. Here's the thing, no book club. Yeah, maybe in the future, maybe one day. Oh, actually, you know what? I do have a, f- a positive thing to announce in follow-up. Yes, please. I actually do have some good news. I'm going to be bringing back our Instagram lives in a couple of weeks. Yay. So that's some good news. I think that'd be good for us because I'm finally allowed to say this, but in a few weeks, my pedestrian TV hours will be changing. Uh, you guys know that I'm currently working like the night slash evening shift, which is why I'm so unavailable and literally never online on Instagram. And I'm just useless at communication right now. But in a few weeks, I'll be moving to the nine to five hours, which means my evenings will be free again, which means I can post more on the Instagram. And we used to do, for those of you who are new, we used to do a weekly Instagram live back in the day. And I would like discuss heaps of random stuff in the news and people would like send me questions of like things they want to talk about. We have really good discussions. So when I move into my new hours, because this podcast is fortnightly, the weeks that a podcast episode isn't coming out, I will do an Instagram live. Which I'm really, really excited for. It'll give me some motivation. Mm, no, it'll be fun. <laughs> it'll be good. So let's, well, let's end the follow-up on like a somewhat positive note, I guess. Cool. <laughs> anyway, let's get into our topic for today. So today we are going to be talking about conspiracies, which I think is very, very, very relevant at the moment. Conspiracies have always been very, very popular, uh, but I feel like there's been a drastic rise of how many people actually believe in conspiracies in recent years and there's like also a particular change 
and how socially acceptable conspiracies are as well. Now that we have YouTube rabbit holes, we have Netflix documentaries investigating conspiracies, we have things like QAnon, conspiracies are everywhere and actually permeate a lot of the media that we kind of just consume on a day-to-day basis. I was actually thinking about this. Maybe this is a bit of a take, but I feel like things like BuzzFeed Unsolved, which I don't know how many of you guys watched BuzzFeed Unsolved, but it was really big when I was in high school. Or Unsolved Mysteries, which is like there's a current Netflix reboot, but that's like a show from the 80s about like unsolved murders and weird things that have happened. Anything from aliens to like serial killers. I feel like these are actually a bit conspiratorial in hindsight. You know, you wouldn't think they are because they're just like unsolved mysteries, but they kind of pose a question And then give you like four really weird answers, none of which are probably true. They just like talk to a bunch of people and think, what do you think? And all of the people involved in this, especially with Unsolved Mysteries, are people with like emotional stakes in what happened who are just like, surely it was this. And now in hindsight, I think back and I'm like, this was basically conspiracy light. (laughs) Like that's what it is. It's gateway conspiracy drug. Do you think that potentially the increased interest in conspiracy theories have to do with these earlier, you know, incarnations of conspiracy content? I think for a certain subset of people, not for everybody, but I think like a lot of the, um, oh, especially like the younger white women that were into true crimes and unsolved conspiracies and now they're into fucking anti-vaxxer conspiracies, there's got to be a pipeline there because you start off just like wanting to know what's going on and like you know there's definitely a bit of a superiority complex between like true crime white girls and like you know just thinking they're smarter and know better than everyone and see more possibilities and then i can see how that just kind of lets you fall into conspiracy here's a conspiracy i'm just coming up with right now that buzzfeed unsolved is a a covert operation by the cia (laughs) to further destabilize the the divisive political context in america to increase the interest in conspiracies oof and uh, create the new world order or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the sad part is that doesn't sound like you thought of it at one spot. It sounds like a conspiracy theory you'd actually read online. But the point is, there is definitely a conspiratorial vibe to a lot of media that we consume now that maybe wouldn't have been so much fun or so interesting a while ago. Even just like Netflix's Epstein like conspiracy documentary series. Like we're really interested in conspiracies right now, either ironically or like we actually like them, but it is a thing. Conspiracies are obviously more popular than ever. And I feel like it's time we had a serious discussion, not just about like their impacts, which we will talk about, but also their roots and specifically like how there's a lot of ties here between racism and capitalism and class and like general disillusionment of people and conspiracies. Like I think we're going to talk about how these conspiracies come to play, who believes them, why these particular people are vulnerable and what that actually means for society. So let's get into it. The fact that conspiracies are no longer a niche corner of the internet, but that everyone either believes in one or knows someone that believes in one, is concerning. Because, like, just right now, Mitch, do you believe in any, like, conspiracy theories? Um, I don't think so, but I think people would probably say I do. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> I feel like I'm a little bit partial to... I don't actively, like, believe in any particular conspiracy theories. There are definitely some takes I have that some would call conspiracies. Like, I don't believe in any of the QAnon, like, Hillary Clinton eats children conspiracies. But do I believe that probably most of the men in, like, the American government are pedophiles? Yeah, probably. 
Like, I that doesn't surprise me. Do I think they eat children or, like, get high off their blood? No. Not all of them. <laughs> no. But, like, they're probably all pedos. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like... And I mean, who knows? Maybe I sound conspiratorial. Nothing is real. But, you know, with the ties between like Epstein and like that fucking, what's his name? The royal Prince Andrew, is it? I don't know. There's too I'm many. I'm not the one to ask. <laughs> there's too many like weird things going around with politicians and like pedo stuff for me to not believe that there's at least a little bit of something going on. But I'm not like seriously invested in any conspiracies. But the point is, while we're not, I definitely know people who are. I definitely know people who are fully on board these like Epstein trains and whatnot. Like I feel like everybody knows at least one person that is really invested in at least one conspiracy theory. Oh yeah. Epstein didn't kill himself. Yeah. I personally don't think conspiracy. (laughs) I think that's just people just the world is united on that one issue. I was covering that at um, five Y and then a little bit at pedestrian. And yeah, it's actually fucked. Like how can you not fall into that conspiracy? Sorry, but like they just casually turned off the camera for the two hours in which he died. Right. I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit partial to some of the Epstein um, conspiracy theories. But anyway, I think maybe a key distinction we need to make now, though, is that, see, this is fun. Like, talking about conspiracy theories is fun, but they're not just, like, amusing things to discuss with, like, your friends. Like, there are actually incredibly scary impacts to some conspiracy theories. Yeah, I mean, I think this year was the year that really just put it into perspective for me, especially in January when we saw the storming of the the capital in America, which was the consequence of conspiracies like QAnon, etc. That's when I really realized that these people aren't just occupying a strange niche, sort of amusing corner on the internet that we can just sort of poke into every once in a while and they're laugh at. Organizing. But they're, they're organizing and they're having, you know, legitimate consequential impacts on the world. Like history books in decades from now, we're going to have to talk about QAnon. Like, what? And how it led to, like, the fucking Capitol riot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's going to be, like, and that real. Shit, that shit was scary. Like, just recently, a f- couple of weeks... Oh, actually, maybe have even been a month ago. I don't know. Time is weird in lockdown. But not that long ago, some of the police officers that were uh, guarding the Capitol during the riots, like, had a, their testimony. And I was listening to it, and it was actually really fucking, like, sad. And I'm an A-cab bitch. I don't give a fuck about cops. And I was listening, and I was fully emotional. And I was like, I really can't believe you had to deal with that and that is so scary and like it's fucked like one of the police officers is black and he's just detailing the stuff that they were saying to him and he like he thought he was gonna die it's just so scary and like that shit was birthed in random forums online it's absurd and that's not the only example of just conspiracy theories coming to life and actually hurting people this year just a few days ago in germany a nurse was caught an anti-vaxxer nurse which just ironic as fuck but a nurse was caught swapping out Pfizer vaccines for saline solutions. So oh she my God. was, yeah. So all these people got vaccinated with a placebo because she was tampering with vaccinations. That is an example of like conspiracy theories coming out here and having fucking real world dangerous impacts on people's lives. Like, how many people do you reckon thought that they were like safer than they originally were and then maybe were potentially exposed to COVID and not protected because they weren't actually vaccinated? Some scary shit. 
So we can't just ignore conspiracies or like laugh at conspiracies as a joke and then move on. Like this is actually a really, really important issue right now, probably the most important that it's ever been. And it only has increasing relevance. And I feel like this is when we should like really kind of get into why this is happening. What is the appeal of conspiracy theories? Why are they so popular right now? And especially right now, because conspiracies aren't new. There's been conspiracies since the fucking moon landed like how long ago? And even before that, conspiracies have been around since forever but why why is it now why is this the moment i think for some people conspiracies make the world easier to understand which sounds kind of wild considering that conspiracies are often ridiculously complex and so many mental gymnastics and i can't even follow them it's like that meme with a fucking like board with all the red <laughs> string like yeah it's complicated but to other people that is the way that they make sense of the world it actually makes it more digestible it breaks it down into certain like things that align with somebody's views of how the world functions. I think conspiracies are, I feel like they're born from a feeling that something is wrong and that things aren't adding up, things don't make sense and we need answers. And that's that in itself is kind of fair. I think everyone, especially now, especially in late stage capitalism, everyone feels like something is wrong. You know, I mean, just yesterday I was reporting on the fact that Victoria just consented to a new gas drilling site near the 12 Apostles and the IPCC report came out like fucking a few days ago. Like, it's just, this shit is bullshit. Like, you know, you're seeing the news and you're like, this doesn't make sense. Like, how are you going to condemn us like this? How are you going to doom us like this? Obviously, something is wrong. And I think people don't maybe know what's wrong. It's easy for us to say, oh yeah, obviously something is wrong. And the thing that's wrong is like sage capitalism. But for a lot of people who don't have that knowledge... They're going to look for other means to understand how the world doesn't make sense and how it's destructive and shit sometimes. Yeah, because, I mean, like you said, there's an irony with conspiracies because they both complicate the world. You know, this extremely complicated map of all the red strings uh, that really, if you look at it, it seems like it's nonsensical. But in another way, despite complicating all that, they make it simpler because they give all of these sort of nodes very binary, understandable motives, especially when you look at the sort of the biblical fascist conspiracies like we'll get to. It's like, oh, well, these people, I mean, this is really complicated, but they're all Satanists, so they're unambiguously bad. Yeah, exactly. I think when you don't understand the nuances of the world, it's very easy to split it into good and bad and into really like kind of epic tales of good and bad, like a storybook, you know, like the Harry Potter versus Voldemort. Like it's a lot easier to frame the world in that mindset. It gives you an enemy to fight and then it can almost empower you to make a decision as well because a lot of us feel helpless under capitalism. You know, like I know that things are fucked. I don't know how I as an individual am going to change the world, but then some conspiracy theorists can be like, Hillary Clinton is a lizard and we can kill her this way. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, and it's just done, problem solved. That's what the capital riots were. There's people obviously feeling disillusioned with the American government who isn't. Um, that's, you know, uniform across the political spectrum. But then they were like, okay, well, things are fucked. The Democrats are evil. But our answer is Trump. If we get him into power, things will change. Like it's this desperate, delusional hold onto this thing because that's how they think the world is going to be better for them. And then they fucking stormed the Capitol because they, they were given a mission and they completed it. And it's, it really kind of is that simple, even though like that isn't actually simple at all. I, um, I was reading about conspiracy theories and there's a really good Sydney Morning Herald article that I'll link. The article basically says, quote, the most popular conspiracy theories often help people explain complicated, tumultuous events when the truth may be too troubling to accept. 
Such theories often appear after significant or frightening moments in history. The moon landing, the September 11 attacks, or the assassination of the US President John F. Kennedy, when many found it difficult to accept that a lone, deranged gunman could kill the president. Vast conspiracies involving the CIA, the mob, or others are actually easier to digest. People need big explanations for big problems, for big world events. Random explanations, like bats or wet markets, are just psychologically unsatisfying, end quote. And yeah, I think that particular sentence, people need big explanations for big problems, is exactly what conspiracy theories are, especially right now, especially around things like COVID as well. Um, and the idea that this like global thing must have an equally large reason for existing. It can't be that simple. And maybe, I mean, this is me just talking, but maybe like part of that is also just like the narratives we grow up with as well. When we read storybooks and there's always a big hero and a big villain and there's always like so much going on in the story. And I feel like people are starting to look at life like a story and they're not really differentiating fact from fiction. And because we've grown up thinking those things and they're like, okay, well, if this thing happened, there has to be this scheming villain with a little like network that must be behind this. Like, it is, in a way, kind of juvenile and childish, even. Yeah, it's like when you watch a movie, you expect it to have, you know, the beginning, the second act, climax and resolution. And then when the world doesn't unfold like that, it uh, not only is it sort of unsatisfying and disappointing, but it doesn't really make sense. It's not all tied up in a nice bow. And I think it's really interesting to say unsatisfying and disappointing because like it is true that a lot of people involved in these conspiracy theories like see themselves as the main character as well. Um, They do really genuinely see themselves as like in a story. And that's even more so for people who are believing conspiracies that don't necessarily affect them. But they feel like they're characters in a story. They feel like they're part of a community. They feel like they're part of, you know, the fucking Order of the Phoenix or whatever fighting. And I'm going to be full of hype on jokes today. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they really feel like, you know, they're fucking fighting this giant evil that's like in a fictional story. You know, a, a big part of believing in conspiracies is being part of an in-group. Yeah, I mean, we can't ignore that for many people, these WhatsApp groups, these Facebook groups, etc., these YouTube rabbit holes, they feel like you're you're actually entering a community. You're with these like-minded people. And, you know, community building is something that is, is really important just for humans. Now of all times, it's incredibly difficult to find a community. And there's also another aspect is it's just fun being right. When you feel like you know something that you're not meant to or that other people don't know or other people are seeing it wrong, it's just... I mean, it's just good to feel like you're correct about something and other people are wrong. Everybody loves a bit of moral superiority. Of course. But yeah, I think community is really important, especially I think because of the current situation. Like people at the moment are at home, mostly alone. We're all under lockdown. We've been in and out of, you know, Melbourne's in their like, what, sixth lockdown now? Like a lot of us are in and out of lockdown. It's worse in other countries. We're isolated. We're lonely. We're distressed. We're scared. And that isolation from community from other people who would maybe you'd have more critical and interesting conversations with kind of, I think, puts you at risk as well of falling into these conspiratorial rabbit holes because you're looking for someone to give you answers, to pat you on the back and tell you the truth, especially in Australia with our government having really poor communication. I think everybody is kind of at least a little bit at risk. There isn't a lot of media literacy, something that always shocks me, but that I actually probably makes sense is how much people don't read the news. Like as somebody who works in the news, I I'm not super conscious of other people, but then I'm realizing like I shared a story the other day on like one of my local hotspot areas and a girl from my high school replied saying, oh, 
is that side of an under like hotspot? I live there. And I was thinking, oh my God, they've been a hotspot for like fucking three weeks now. Like, how do you not know this? But I guess she just doesn't read the news. And, you know, it kind of reminds me, there's, there's such little media literacy. There's no government communication between people. People are isolated, but also scared. And they do have a thirst for knowledge. They do want to know what's going on. They have no understanding of sources or how to find that information. They probably just Google something. And then obviously, because algorithmically, these fucking conspiracy theories pop up, especially if you're YouTubing videos. Yes. It's the algorithm. I mean, let's not forget that social media is almost designed for conspiracies. Uh, And let's not forget that these platforms profit off of conspiracies and the logic of conspiracies. Like with YouTube, you watch a couple videos, even if ironically, to, to see what these people are talking about or whatever. And then you start getting recommended more and more. And if you're susceptible to these types of messages, you're going to fall into a rabbit hole. And now it's 4 a.m. You're watching videos with like 12 views and you feel like you're part of a community. And of course, these platforms are banking hella profits on mm. ad revenue. Exactly. And yeah, I think especially with things like WhatsApp that are unregulated, unmoderated and YouTube that will just keep playing you shit. Same with TikTok. There was a Four Corners report on TikTok pretty recently, which was really quite damning, I should say. But part of it was actually about eating disorders and how this girl liked one video on fitness and then her For You page was just flooded with like fitness, calorie counting, and it pushed her into eating disorder territory to the point where she was seeing like pro-Anna shit and like, you know, obviously that was fucked for her. And within four months of joining TikTok, she was diagnosed with an eating disorder. That might not be a conspiracy, but similar thing. Yeah, these platforms figure out what you like and then are designed to show you more of what you like, which... I mean, means that if it knows that you're susceptible to conspiracies, for example, it's just that's all it's going to show you because you're going to spend more time on the app. But that also makes it incredibly difficult to see anything that isn't a conspiracy. Mm. Suddenly your world just becomes, well, of course it's a conspiracy because everyone on my my TikTok and YouTube and Facebook all believe the same things that I do, which is both comforting but then also makes it incredibly difficult to leave those spaces. Well, yeah. And I want to point out that you don't even have to like conspiracies. You just have to display to the algorithm that you will watch it. You might not even agree with it. You might not even like it. But if you linger, like with TikTok, they also measure how long it takes for you to swipe away from something that you're watching. And if you like, if maybe if you're just swiping through shit and then you pause for a second on like some weird right-wing anti-vaxxer video, it would be like, okay, you're more likely to stay on this. So I'm just going to send you a shit ton more. Like it's not even about interest it's literally just about what will get you to watch this and like you said a lot of people start off watching shit ironically you're just like what is this and you watch it but then you see it everywhere and you actually think that's just the public opinion yeah maybe the earth is flat huh (laughs) that's the thing these social media platforms make you think that this is actually a normal or public you know like it's an opinion that everybody has when in reality it's not but you're in such a specific filter bubble that like you don't even know what other people are seeing. It's so incredibly specific. I think for me, when I look at conspiracies, uh, what makes something a conspiracy for me is that it sort of, it, it does something. It's that a conspiracy isn't something that is like overly convincing. It's not like people, you know, have one opinion on the world, watch a few conspiracy videos and then they're like, huh, like that's very convincing point. Suddenly, you know, I'm a flat earther or I believe in QAnon. It's that you already have a sort of an intuition that something in the world is wrong. And then you see something which then explains maybe with really nonsensical, incomprehensible logic, but sort of explains and and validates uh, and justifies that intuition. And then now really you haven't changed as a person 
but then now you f- feel more validated. It's sort of post facto uh, justification for think, your for these sensations. I think validation is exactly what it is. I think you you might feel unsure or like worried or whatever, especially with COVID. I think that's a really good one. And these things just validate you, and everybody fucking wants to be validated. Like it's just basic human nature to when you feel like something is wrong to be reassured that you're not like crazy you know that there is something wrong and then to be validated and that's what it is and it's why so many young like teenage boys especially white teenage boys seem to fall into that white supremacist shit it's because they're feeling disillusioned and upset because they're teenagers and that's literally like they're built to be unhappy and so they're like i'm unhappy things are shit and then some conspiracy theorist comes online and it's like well the reason you feel like that is because women are sluts and we should punish them. And also brown people are ruining your life. And also, <laughs> I guess, sort of ironically, it's that they're told because they're white boys that they're in the, the hierarchy, the most privileged group. It's like they, they're meant to get everything. And then suddenly- And then they don't get everything. They've internalized that their whole life. And then suddenly they're, they're sort of disillusioned and they're not particularly happy and they're depressed and they're not getting everything they want. And they're like, well, who's to blame for that? Oh, you know, it's- uh, this, these cultural Marxists trying to, mm. you know, these feminists, these anti-racists are destabilizing my world. Yeah, let's talk about some examples of conspiracies, just so that we're all kind of on the same page with the main ones. And, I mean, maybe we can even talk about, like, how the fuck these exist and, like, what are, what are the popular conspiracy theories right now? Because, I mean, I didn't even know of many of these <laughs> until recently. Uh, do you want to explain QAnon, Mitch? Because I didn't know what QAnon was until like yesterday when Mitch yeah, explained it to me. I feel like, I mean, this is just going to, you know, skim the surface. But essentially, it's a conspiracy theory that suggests that the American government and just global elites in general are members of a satanic cabal, uh, a ring of cannibalistic pedophiles <laughs> that are operating a global sex trafficking ring where not only are they just is it a sex trafficking ring, but they're harvesting children's adrenochrome, which is a byproduct of, of adrenaline. So they're just torturing and molesting these kids to harvest ad- uh, adrenochrome, which they get high off of in satanic rituals. Um, which sounds like fucking bizarre, like absolutely unhinged. But also, like I said, people have an intuition. Like I, I mean, I have a fucking intuition that these people are a bit, bit pedo, like probably. And I can see how people fall into that. Because it sounds bizarre as people who aren't involved, but if you started off small and worked your way into that conspiracy, I can low-key see how that would happen, even if it sounds wild. Yeah, but I mean, that's just one part of the conspiracy. There's sort of the call to action of it all is that Donald Trump then is positioned as America's or, or the world's savior. You know, he's the political agent that's going to drain the swamp, as he said, expose these pedophilic global elites and save the world, restoring peace once again. So make America great again. Exactly. And not is it only making America great again, but for QAnon supporters, that makes opposition to Trump support for cannibalistic pedophiles. Well, yes, exactly. It's like either you support Trump or you support cannibalistic pedophiles. And I know I don't support cannibalistic pedophiles, so I must be a Trump supporter. Oh, you're a, a Democrat? Like you fucking you're a pedo? Satanist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's uh, an enemy so sort of cartoonishly villainous. Yeah, that- well, it's extreme binary, right? It's yeah. extreme like Trump savior, angel, God's chosen one, etc. Or Democrat cannibalistic pedophile harvesting children's hormones <laughs> huh yeah it's like, like and even though no shit which one is the good one <laughs> exactly and even though they have these complicated maps of like pizzagate that came before it of all these people are linked you know 
tenuously between, oh, like this person owns this thing and met this person and this, and there's a photo there. That is absolutely like, does not make any sense. Extremely complicated, but deep down it's not complicated because the answer is that all these complicated links are just satanic nonsense. And thus all we need is our good Christian Donald Trump to save the world, literally. Yeah, like he's literally saving children from being molested, which is just so ironic, by the way, with (laughs) Donald Trump. But yeah, I mean, that example really frames a lot of what we were just talking about with like the way people fall into this and the way conspiracies are structured. And I mean, that's not the only current conspiracy. Mitch was telling me about some climate skepticisms on like Reddit that he saw. And I was surprised because I'm not super aware of a lot of climate conspiracies like i feel like climate denial sure but i always felt like that was rooted in just like a pro-capitalism approach of just like oh they're just faking it so that we stop fossil fuels but apparently it's a little bit wilder than that yeah well there's sort of two parts to it i was looking at the ipcc report just when it came out just looking for some commentary and then found a climate skeptic subreddit and was just very confused but amused by the response so the firstly, denial is it's like a conspiracy, but it's almost suggesting that climate change is a conspiracy. So it's almost saying that they're not conspiratorial, but that people who believe in climate change or that climate change That's is the a real conspiracy. conspiracy. So it's a conspiracy of a conspiracy sort of. <laughs> uh, it seems that a lot of uh, climate conspiracy theorists believe that this fear of global warming is just like mass hysteria created by governments and liberal media to enforce a communistic agenda that will limit free markets, impose higher taxes, which, of course, is the worst possible thing imaginable. Yeah. <laughs> and, and take away people's liberty. I saw posts saying paying more taxes to the government won't change the weather or there's no need for climate protests in China because China is already communist. <laughs> Which is like, I mean, it, I don't think it makes any sense. I don't sense. even get it. Like, I don't even get what they're trying to say. Well, cl- the reason we've created climate change is so we can uh, increase taxes because taxes is communism, of course. Right. Okay. Uh, I got you. It's like what you were saying before is that I think a lot of the, the climate skepticism really has to do with trying to paint this sort of simplistic, you know, binary image of the world. Because the issue with believing in climate change is that if you believe in that, you have to believe that there are like evil capitalists so short-sighted that are actually destroying the world and you have literally you know nothing there's nothing you can do about it on an individual scale exactly and i think all of this skepticism or this denialism comes from wanting to believe that the world isn't you know this big societal complex thing but it's just full of individual people Mm. and then it's about you know individual responsibility if i do my part then everything will be fine. and But if you believe in climate change, you have to believe that in a way you don't have any real impact as an individual and a lot of the world and a lot of its decay is out of your control. Yeah, I think you're right. It's very neoliberal. It's very like survival of the fittest. I personally can make a change, et cetera, et cetera. And like, I see the appeal of that because all of us, you know, anti-capitalists are fucking depressed and feeling helpless about you know, the climate, because we understand that in order to like radically change the course of the planet, we would need to organize, which just seems like such a mammoth task. It's hard. And you don't even know what to start with that. And I can see the appeal to just, oh, actually, this is all fake and we're doing fine. Because I, it's, it's, fuck it, I wish I could believe something like that. Right? Well, I mean, that's why self-help writers like Jordan Peterson are so popular, because he parrots what I think Margaret Thatcher once said 
uh, in the 80s or so, which is that there is no such thing as society. There are only individuals and families, uh, which, again, I mean, I remember watching some some silly interview with Jordan Peterson where he's essentially saying that, you know, all these lefties are, are arguing about climate change, but maybe we need to focus on ourselves. It's like you need to clean your room before you can go solve these massive global issues because that's comforting to think that the climate change is just individual people being irresponsible. And then if we can fix that, if, mm. if these individual people can just, you know, stop being bad or, or be more considerate, then the world will be fine. But no, it's if it's entrenched in a global, you know, economic system that you have no control over, what the, what the fuck are you meant to do? Yeah, exactly. I can, I can completely see the appeal to like, actually, it's this easy. Here are your three steps in the self-help book on how to fix the planet. Like, yeah, exactly. you know, that's fucking ideal, but unfortunately not reality. And I can see why you would flock to, again, these quite juvenile understandings of good and bad because they're comforting. They're comforting the way a storybook is comforting. I will say not all conspiracy theories are that fucking sympathetic, though. <laughs> Something that I see everywhere, and I'm sure all of you are very aware of, is just the constant, like, anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. Every conspiracy theory has an anti-Semitic arm. Every single one of them. Why is it this particular form of racism that is just fucking everywhere? I'm sure like every single one of you has come across at least one anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. If not like every conspiracy theory you believe is actually anti-Semitic. I think coming up with like uh, anti-Semitic conspiracy theories is just like having those magnets on fridges with the words. You can just sort of put them in any order and then you'll have, uh, for these people, a coherent explanation of the world is, you know, Jews did fill in the blank. And right. yeah, people will be like, true. Especially, it's I mean, with absurd. all the conspiracy theories we've mentioned today, just put that in after, you know, Jews did. Et cetera. Et cetera. And people, uh, will, believe people will believe it. And I mean, I was just thinking about it now, but often in places like 4chan, all of these uh, people making these anti-Semitic, they will call it jokes or theories. Is that, yeah, it's so ridiculous. How could Extreme we possibly irony. believe that? It's so, it's hyper ironic, which just makes it difficult to differentiate between the jokes and the not jokes. But the thing is, is that even the jokes oh, actually have these really consequential material mm. impacts on the world and leads to stuff like the storming the capital, like the anti-vax Yeah, nonsense. well, there's even like, there's so many anti-Semitic COVID conspiracies, which mm. is like, are y'all kidding? <laughs> like, it's, it's just so ridiculous. I saw some um, anti-Semitic COVID conspiracies that actually Jewish people and particularly like Israel and, and like I'm fucking, we're obviously critical of Israel and we're not going to be out here spreading COVID conspiracies or, you know, Israel specifically are responsible for unleashing the virus. The part that I just think is so funny is like they don't even often have reasons for like why they would hypothetically do that. They just did. They just did. <laughs> and it's just, this is an example of a conspiracy theory that isn't based in a general, somewhat relevant truth. This is just racism. And people just like want to validate their racism with extreme conspiracy theories. And I feel like that's another form, which we'll actually get into very soon. But that's another basis for conspiracy theories. Because yes, sometimes and often they are based in like a very real emotional need for clarity or validation or understanding. And sometimes people are racist and just love validating their racism with random fucking stories that don't make any sense. So that's the anti-Semitic ones. I was reading an article about like the rise of anti-Semitic conspiracies during COVID. And it was just talking about like, people love blaming this fictional ruling class, but like have an issue with blaming the capitalist ruling class. I'm just like, so close to the point and yet missed it completely. <laughs> so close. Isn't that the case with a lot of these yeah. conspiracies? Like you're like you wanted to almost think critically 
and then but you didn't. You just you messed it up. <laughs> I think that's actually the case with a lot of COVID conspiracies. There are a lot of ridiculous conspiracies around the virus and the vaccine, and probably more around the vaccine than the virus these days. You know, there's the idea that the virus is just a hoax, that the 5G towers caused it, which to me is like... <laughs> I, I forgot actually, about that. I forgot about that until like reading for this podcast. And I was reading about it and people like in America like tore down 5G towers and shit. Like I didn't realize it was like that intense. I thought it was more just like in Australia, you got your like Byron Bay influencers who like bathe their kids in oil instead of getting them vaccinated. But I just thought it was like that. No, it's not just the hippie shit. These people are tearing down 5G towers. It's wild. But yeah, then there's also the fact that the government is lying about COVID to get us all under their control and, you know, lock us in our houses, which again, why would they want to do that? Doesn't seem to, doesn't seem to answer that question. Um, the ruling class don't like COVID. Like their profits are going down. Yeah, they're losing money. They're Unless not benefiting. You're Amazon. But yeah, it's, uh, this doesn't benefit anyone. Yeah, I know. It's, it's frustrating. But people who believe these things aren't interested in your description on why it's not true. You know, I've been exposed to a lot of conspiracies and misinformation around COVID through, like, my local community. I first heard the government locking us in our houses one at my friend's birthday party in January when things were still okay in Sydney, like post-pandemic, because all of her friends who I didn't really know are COVID conspiracy theorists. All of them think the government is lying. And, like, they it was so jarring being there because I was like, I am so in the wrong place right now. But they were all talking about how, like, the government's lying and the government's paying people to list their family members' deaths as a COVID death when it wasn't one because, you know, they want us all locked inside. They're controlling us. And I, like, I did say, because I was fucking so shocked and I'm not, I'm not here for this bullshit. So I was just like, but, like, they're losing money. Why would they do that? Like, the government is in debt because of all the money we're putting into, like, JobKeeper and shit. Like, nobody's benefiting from this why would they do that and just like you would be amazed how much they just skim over what you say and like keep spiraling it's absurd because it's government bad government bad yes. yeah and it's and it's fun and, because- and, that, and you could even make a convincing argument that government is bad i think we do that often but <laughs> but not in this sort of like new world order like they just want to keep us contained for like because it gets them off or something like we all know money makes the world go round and honestly i'd probably be pretty partial to some conspiracy theories about like the government making us do stuff because it makes the money but when there's no money i just it's so unbelievable to me i'm like y'all we live in a capitalism it's always money if there's no money in your argument i can't believe it (laughs) but anyway like that's just from like my like friends and that was in january now in the second wave when covid's really bad i have been seeing so much anti-vaxxer shit in my family's whatsapp group it's actually killing me like it's actually killing me having to be fucking associated with these things but there's like from what i've seen from people sharing stuff into the family group chat there's stuff about the vaccine making you magnetic people like apparently sticking coins to their vaccination site you know ideas that like the vaccine is implanting a chip and that's why you're magnetic like the chip is magnetic there's one of my aunties shared a video and like oh, yeah you know how on whatsapp it says forwarded many times like it tells sure, you yeah. it's forwarded many times videos into the chat of a guy like there's a third party recording but a guy is taking a photo of like someone's arm where they got the jab and you can't see his phone screen or what he's doing you're like standing on the sidelines and then the camera comes around after the guy has clicked a few things on his phone and it just shows like a bunch of numbers on his screen. And he's like, bro, bro, I scanned like the jabs, but look what came up, look what came up. And they're like, bro. And it's like, I'm watching it. And I'm like, this is so obviously fake. Like we don't, like they wait till he's typed something on his phone. And then the camera comes around to show you what's on his screen. Like it's obviously fake. It's obviously somebody having a laugh. 
clearly. But like my auntie fully believes it. Not a single critical thought in that head. And like this is just everywhere, right? Like there's also one of my other aunties shared in an article about and it looked somewhat official but like the moment i read what was on i was like okay obviously not official um that said that people who are pregnant if they're around somebody who's vaccinated they can miscarriage which just oh my god you can't be sharing shit like that like that's like really dangerous and scary information that is going to terrify pregnant mothers who are already scared and already anxious because you know there's already a lot of fear around like can i get vaccinated if i'm pregnant is that safe blah 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 like to share that is so irresponsible and i looked at the source and it was one of donald trump's old think tanks or something like that like it was some bizarre conspiratorial right-wing fake think tanky kind of page but like yeah there's just this shit everywhere I feel like that's going to lead me into the second part of this episode, which is just about like the place race has in this conversation. Because, you know, the anti-Semitic theories mentioned previously and the fact that a lot of COVID conspiracies as well are racist, if not to Jewish people, then to Asian people. Like that's actually not an accident and is really quite important. But on the flip side of that, and something that I'm really interested in, is the fact that, like, especially COVID conspiracy theories are spreading extremely fast in ethnic and migrant communities, like, scarily fast. And I can attest to that as somebody with, like, literally half my family members, all of my ethnic friends' families are all, like, some form of anti-vaxxer. This is becoming an issue in these communities. But I think that is very relevant to race as well, kind of on the flip side. And I want to have a discussion about the relationship between race and racism with conspiracies, because these are way more linked than we realize. Let's take a classic conspiracy theory about aliens. You guys know the one, I'm sure you've heard of it, that aliens built the Giza pyramids in Egypt, or the Nazca lines in Peru, or the Aztec temples in Mexico City, or the stonework on Easter Island. I feel like the most popular one, though, is about the pyramids in Egypt and how the aliens actually came and built those. I'm pretty sure Elon Musk literally tweeted support in that theory about aliens and the fucking pyramids. Because apparently these structures are just so grand and complex and, you know, scientifically and astronomically organized to align with certain stars and like the center of the planet. And it's all just like really, you know, really clever, really precise planning that is obviously just impossible for the human race to do, especially uh, for people who lived centuries ago without today's machines and technology like to be able to create that is obviously impossible these people are not capable of doing that this fucking conspiracy i know there's a lot of fucked conspiracy theories in the world but this is actually the one that i like (laughs) am angered by like the most for some reason and i don't have it like there are a lot of racist ones but this one fucking infuriates this is what started the episode yeah it's like all of this this real world stuff is like you know, just a consequence of wanting to talk about, about pyramids. It's just a happy accident. Well, I literally wanted to do an episode on this conspiracy theory. And then we ended up having an entire episode on conspiracy theories. But this is this is the one that sparked this episode. Yeah, this is what keeps you up at night. Yeah. Well, I, oh, my God. I think about this so much because I personally really I fucking hate this conspiracy. I always have always will we are literally talking about it now this episode exists because of this conspiracy theory because it may seem innocent a lot of alien conspiracies do and look i believe in aliens i feel like i gotta put that out there oh man i legitimately think aliens exist i don't think they fucking come to earth or anything like that but i refuse to believe that we are the only living things in the entire universe like it's a big universe what was the quote there's there's either two possibilities that we're not alone in this universe or that we are 
And both are terrifying. Both are equally terrifying, yeah. Well, I just think that maybe it's a little bit arrogant for the human race to think we're the only intelligent life form in the entire universe. It just seems arrogant to me. And also, uh, not to flex, but there are some references to aliens potentially existing in the Quran. So... I believe in aliens. But anyway, despite believing in aliens, this conspiracy theory is fucking stupid, okay? This fucking conspiracy Egyptian pyramid one, it's so deeply racist. It just boils my blood because it may seem innocent as just like a classic alien conspiracy, but what actually is happening here is that there is an implicit assumption that these structures, these pyramids and temples and whatever, were too complex for black people, for African people, for indigenous people, or like ethnic people, whatever. Like it's just, it's actually so deeply racist. And there's no coincidence that these conspiracy theories tend to focus specifically on ancient structures built by black, brown and indigenous people. We don't see the same energy for like white miracles or whatever. While many conspiracies are obviously racist, this one just, I don't know, it just boils my blood because like, let us have this one thing. Let people of color have this one fucking thing, this one fucking amazing thing that they were able to do. These fucking white people want to come here and be like, clearly brown and black people are too dumb. It must have been aliens. Well, I can tell you what the technology was that they they used. Yeah, go on. Slavery. (laughs) That's the magic ingredient. Well, true. Definitely for um, the pyramids. But yeah, like the point is, you know, with like the mathematical wonders and stuff like that, like the idea that apparently we were just too dumb is racist and that one really angers me but we talked about that and the other conspiracy theories because i want to talk about the link between racism and conspiracy theories because there is a really legitimate link there there's currently an area of study of why like so many conspiracy theories actually end up being racist or why there is so much racism present in conspiracy theories compared to like other things like homophobia you know what i mean other bigotry like racism just seems to be something really embedded in conspiracy theories and I think the key reason that is like happening, the key reason why racism and conspiracy theories are besties is because racism isn't a result of conspiracy theories, but conspiracies are a result of racism. It's not like conspiracies happen and then the racism comes. Racism happens and then the conspiracies come, right? It's like what we were saying before. It's uh, no one is just convinced by a conspiracy theory. If it, it- its role is invalidating an in- intuitive feeling about the world. Yeah. Racist conspiracies, they fill in the blanks. They validate what you don't understand. Because like we said earlier, conspiracies, you know, come up with an answer to a question that aligns with the perception of like this person's world. Like people who are drawn to conspiracy theories are looking for an answer to something they don't understand. And so if you don't understand how black people could build the pyramids because you're a racist and you think black people are dumb then naturally you are going to end up believing or even concocting a conspiracy that says the aliens did it. Because it, it's, it's still the same logic of like needing an answer, being unsure about how the world exists, and then coming up with a story that makes sense to you and simplifies something that is apparently very complex. You know, it's actually for some people legitimately easier to believe that somehow Aliens came into this world and no one really saw it. No one really knows anything, but apparently they came and they built the fucking pyramids without being detected and then yeeted out of here for no reason. And that's literally easier for some people to believe than just black ingenuity. Like, 
that's just racism. And, you know, I mean, a good one to kind of show how, like, this can work, how, like, somebody's racism can inform and, like, start a conspiracy rather than the other way around. It's the conspiracy around Barack Obama's, like, birth. There was all that, like, citizenship stuff and how he's not really born in America and that he's actually born in some random village in Kenya or whatever. And, like, that happened because racist white Americans just could not fucking comprehend the success of a black man in America. They just couldn't. Like, it just didn't make sense how he could get to where he was as a black man. So they were like, this doesn't make sense. Something is off. Something is amiss. You know what? It must be insert racist thing here. <laughs> like, it's still the same logic, but a lot less fucking sympathetic to me than, like, some COVID stuff. Yeah, no one's like, I'm a very big fan of Obama and I like the work that he's doing. Huh. This is a very interesting uh, theory that someone's putting forward. Suddenly, I'm not a fan. Suddenly, I'm skeptical of mm. Obama's birthplace. No, it's to justify these already latent existing racisms, dislikes, etc. Yeah, for, like, somebody who believes really negative stereotypes of black people, for them, it's the logical conclusion that there must have been foul play, some kind of cheating, some kind of lying for this person to become president. Like, that's just what makes sense to them. Conspiracies aren't just inherently racist. People create a conspiracy to validate their racism because the real world is showing them that they might be wrong in their racism and they refuse to believe that, so they actually just come up with an alternate history. Something I do want to talk about, though, is the flip side of this issue, which I think is really topical right now, and that's the spread of COVID and anti-vaxxer conspiracies in ethnic communities and how while most conspiracy theories are quite racist, what about when specific races are believing conspiracy theories? As we've seen, for those of you who live in Sydney or New South Wales or just anyone who watches the news, there's been a lot of racism currently targeted towards migrant communities in Western Sydney because of the rise in cases over there. Just to give you a little bit of context, there's been really, really high cases of COVID in Western Sydney and the government has been sending in like the fucking military and like cops and it's just, it's been like, it's a mess. It's a mess. And there's a really intense police crackdown. Like we've had politicians like uh, the New South Wales Health Minister, Brad Hazard, say in a press conference that it's people of other backgrounds that are like, causing non-compliance and ignoring restrictions and creating like the fucking pandemic. It's, it's fucked. Lots of blaming of migrant communities and poorer people in Sydney. And I'm seeing a lot of like educated middle-class white people who, you know, like are the liberal kind, people who are like pretty, I guess, left-leaning. I'm seeing a lot of derision from them for these communities, brushing them off as just anti-vaxxers. Like there's a lot of snobbery and a lot of like, these communities are getting brushed off the same way we're brushing off 5G anti-vaxxers in Byron Bay. And honestly, I actually think that really lacks a lot of nuance and I think it borders into racism and I want to talk about that because there is a very big difference between white anti-vaxxers and like Muslim or Arab anti-vaxxers in Western Sydney because unlike rich white Bondi 5G people, poor migrant or refugee workers in the West actually have very real and legitimate reasons for distrusting the government. And I think that's something we need to acknowledge. They like are historically targeted and abused by, if not this government, their own governments from previous places that they lived. So of course they don't trust the government. This is the same state that locks up and tortures refugees. We have fucking Pauline Hansen in the parliament. You know, Scott Morrison prides himself on stopping the boats. They're constantly cutting welfare. Like it is very, very legitimate to distrust this government. And like Mitch and I said earlier, yeah, government bad. <laughs> Like, true, like, not really a wild thing to think. 
And so these disillusioned and marginalized classes, like in Western Sydney, or like even my family members and the friends that I'm seeing that are becoming anti-vaxxers and are also ethnic, like this is a disillusioned and marginalized class. And their distrust for the government in itself is not conspiratorial. It's actually not conspiratorial in the way that like Pete Evans distrusts the government because they're actually oppressed by this government. A lot of migrants come here from countries where they have their own trauma with their own corrupt governments. And then they're victims from then too. And there's like going to be an inherent distrust. And like, instead of our government, you know, really reaching out to like create rapport with these communities and communicate and like give them financial assistance and make them feel like they're people that are valid members of our community and that are actually cared about, they've demonized them and marginalized them. And so now these communities are recognizing that something is amiss. They're recognizing that the government isn't entirely truthful and that they are being marginalized. They recognize that much. The problem is they don't recognize in what way they're being marginalized. And then that's when right-wing conspiracies around vaccines and the virus find them and give them the answers they're searching for. And I was having this really good conversation with one of my friends, Alex, who was saying that he feels like a lot of white kind of upper-class anti-vaxxers are galvanizing poorer migrant anti-vaxxers and then using them as like a scapegoat. Like with the lockdown protests, you can probably see that there are a lot of ethnic people attending them, but who the fuck is leading them? There is something weird going on here that we need to talk about. And I don't think we can just dismiss all these like Western Sydney people as just like dumb anti-vaxxers because they are victims and they're being used. They're being used by like white fucking anti-vaxxers that have an agenda that's greater than this. And we need to be cautious of that when we start like bitching about Western Sydney and migrants in Western Sydney and like anti-vaxxer ethnic people. And like there is something really classist and racist about the way a lot of kind of more educated and upper class white people are showing so much disgust and contempt and anger towards migrant communities for falling into anti-vaxxer and COVID conspiracies. It just feels a bit victim blamey. It lacks a lot of empathy and nuance and it'll always be problematic to group the fucking Byron Bay influencer types with like poor migrant working class people in Western Sydney that are working like three jobs that are constantly exposed to the virus that have been historically unprotected and that are now unsure of what the fuck is going on and unsure of who they should trust. So like while some conspiracies are birthed in racism, let's also understand that race doesn't just play an impact on like how racist conspiracy theory is. It also plays an impact in who will believe those conspiracy theories. And we should be nuanced when we talk about that, lest we fall into racism as well. Cool. Well, thanks for listening to what is probably going to be an extra long episode. Here's the thing, though. (laughs) Uh, I think now's a good time to talk about our sponsors for the episode, which is you guys, our lovely, lovely listeners. And specifically, we'd like to thank Pia, Sarah, Liz, Bell, and Katie. So thank you so much. If you thought our discussion today was interesting or thought-provoking or something you learned from, please consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash And if signing up isn't your thing, you can also donate to our PayPal link at paypal.com forward slash to support future episodes. Both the PayPal and Patreon links are in my Instagram bio, so check them out over there at Saliha Official, and give me a follow if you like today's episode. And follow my Instagram at mitches.miscellanea for discussions around film, books, and music. Also, if you have any comments or suggestions or you want to add to the discussion, you can DM me on Instagram or you can email us at here's a thing though podcast at gmail.com. 
and please include your name, pronouns, and any other important info. And of course, remember to follow and subscribe. It really helps the podcast get out there. Cool. Thanks. Bye. Bye.